All right, we need to start right away. And um, this is part three on the city church. So what we need to look at this morning is the gathering around the temple, which is the city church. We try to look at this thing from the book of Revelation. Remember, John, in the island of Patmos, was saying he had a voice behind him, and when he turned, he saw the Lord and the seven golden candlesticks that were in the hands of the Lord, book of Revelation, okay? And uh, the interpretation was given that the seven golden candlesticks represent the seven angels of the seven churches. And again, the, the point was that the message that the Lord was going to give to John was supposed to be sent to the seven churches in Asia. Philadelphia, Smyrna, whatever the case may be. To the seven churches. Now you find that the message was a corporate message to his body. It was not just to, uh, if I may use the word, a separate local assembly. It was to the entire region that he was sending the message to. Is that okay? That's the book of Revelation. It was sending it to the seven churches in Asia. So, now we find that the seven golden candlesticks that was supposed to be in the hand of the Lord is an indication that God wants to use the church to impact the region corporately. All right? And again, we'll find that if you look at the temple, where you're going to find the seven candlesticks is in the holy place. After the altar call together with the holy place, that's where you find the seven golden candlesticks. And that is showbread and all that. So we discussed all of that in our previous study. You, to do you good to take time, go back there, get a CD, and then listen to that. So that we can have time to continue with what we have today. Thereafter, we talked about the, the, the building of the temple. Talking about the issue of Zerubbabel and all of that. And what God's intentions was. And uh, there was a specific word we read in the book of Haggai, which tells us precisely that uh, when people do not have interest for his church, and I don't mean the local assembly, the city church, he calls the people, these people, right? He says, these people say the time has not come. What he means to say is, men were not, because see, the temple that Zerubbabel was building was not just his personal church. It was the temple for the whole nation. Is that okay? And then, it, like I mentioned, it went halfway, as the case may be. They were past the coach and the people relaxed. And then they started building their own houses. And God became angry and began to afflict them. And uh, their scripture made us to understand that the people would labor, they would work so much, but nothing was coming in. And God began to speak to her guy that I'm responsible because you've left my house uh, uncared for. Because these people say... The time has not come, right? And I tried to make us understand then that when the Lord said these people, when he's angry with his people, they become these people. Instead of saying my people, right? Now see what the scripture says, say, my people who are called by my name, right? Okay. If they will pray and seek my face, I will hear and whatever. But now you come to a point where you use the word these people. That means separate the people from himself because he neglected the building of the corporate temple, which is the city church. Hallelujah. So this is very, very important what we're dealing with this morning that we should know the implication of what we're saying. Now, we're going to be looking at uh, 
the city church from the point of the gathering around the temple. And so, uh, we're going to look at the book of, of, of Leviticus, I mean the book of Numbers. But precisely, first and foremost, let's look at the book of, uh, now if you look at Numbers, I, I, we may not bother to read it, but understand it. The book of Numbers, I will make you see that Numbers chapter 2, okay? This is actually from Numbers chapter 2. You start reading from verse 2 down if you want. This is actually from the book of Numbers chapter 2. That's where you see how the people come around the camp. But I'm going to be starting from somewhere. I, I have always said this. If I'm teaching the tabernacle in the wilderness, I don't teach it from the outer courts. I don't teach it from the outer court. I teach it from the most holy place. Right? Because the most holy place represents your spirit. Okay? And then the soul represents the holy place. And then your body represents the outer court, which the sun and the moon can affect. Right? Okay, so I don't teach the holy, I mean the temple from the outer court. And again, the reason why I do that is your new birth doesn't start from your outer man. It starts from your spirit man. So the temple of God is built from the inside. It's not built from the outside. Amen? All right. So in that understanding, I'm going to be speaking to you now. Uh, we're going to be looking at the, the arrangement of, the, of the, uh, the 12 tribes in the wilderness in relation to the tabernacle. But now we have to start from uh, the people as the case may be, and uh, how many persons, if I may use the word, use the tabernacle. Then in that, in that inside, you find that the first man that uses the tabernacle is God. Amen? Are you there? Okay, so let's look at it from there. Exodus, let's look at what God says in Exodus 25, verse number 8. Very unfortunate, we don't have our screen up today. But Exodus 25, verse number 8, the Bible says, and let them make me, God is speaking, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. So the first thing you need to understand is the building of the sanctuary brings God down to his people. Now it wasn't just a sanctuary for a local assembly. It's going to be a sanctuary for the whole nation. Okay? That's why we call it the city church. Praise the Lord. So let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. So when the city church is in place, God is bound to be in that environment or in that region. Praise the Lord. So at the center of the camp of the children of Israel was the sanctuary. Is that okay? And uh, we're going to look at them. So you see it here. Now you see, this is what he said it should be for him. Okay? Can everybody see that clearly? All right. This is the temple that he said it should be for him. All right? Now, this is supposed to be the temple itself. This is the altar court. This is the altar. This is the brazen uh, lava. All right? Then you move in there. This is the golden candlesticks. This is the showbread. Then, then you have, you have, you have the altar of incense. Is that all right? And then you have the ark. Is that Okay. Right now, but the temple you find that was right at the center of the nation. So, here you find, as we're going to look at it later, we'll come to that. But basically, this is what I'm dealing with now. But if you look at it around, you find west, south, north, east, and you find all the 12 tribes camping around the temple. 
So the temple is at the center of the city. Are you getting this now? So what we're talking about now is when you erect this temple, which is the city church, you invite God's presence to that region. Now, it is expected that everybody was supposed to walk around the temple. Everybody was supposed to have an impact on that temple. So that God's glory will be revealed from within the temple to the rest of the people. Does that make sense? All right. So now, so the first place we're looking at now, the first dwelling place is God here in the most holy place. In terms of those uh, having contact with the temple. Is that all right? Praise the living God. Okay, now, immediately you come out of the temple. Uh, sorry, it's like this, but this one's supposed to be out, okay? Uh, don't mind the way it is now. But this is the way you see it. It's a little bit, the way you drew it now, it's a little bit confused. But now, this is what you should look at. Immediately you come out of the temple. The first set of tents you're going to see around the temple is this. This. Which is the Kohat, the Geshonite, the Merarites, and Moses and Aaron. Do you understand that? Once you move out of the temple, the next group of persons you're going to encounter is this group of people. So I want you to see the connection here. All right? Let me just put it so that we know what we're doing. All right. Okay. Praise the Lord. So now, what happened is, they are the first tent you're going to have. The tent of the Geshonites, the tent of the Merorites, the tent of the Kohatite, and the tent of Moses and Aaron. There's a position. Praise the Lord. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I think I have a scripture for you there. However, let's go to uh, Numbers chapter 1. Numbers chapter 1. Praise the Lord. All right. Are we there in Numbers 1? Let's look at number, I mean, verse 53. Numbers, book of Numbers. Verse 53. Are we there? It said, But the Levites shall pitch round about the tabernacle of testimony. That there be no more wrought upon the congregation of the children of Israel. And the Levites shall keep the charge of the tabernacle of testimony. Did you get that? Praise the Lord. Now I want you to see. I'm going to emphasize that later. But you need to see the implication of the Levite camping around the tabernacle primarily and first before the rest of the 12 tribes. Are you there with me? It means the presence of the Levite around the temple prevents God's wrath from the region. So when the city church is erected 
and pastors understand what we are dealing with now and they come together to camp around the church, there is a kind of God's presence that comes that disperses everything you may probably call evil. Hallelujah. If there is anything you want to call about the unity of the church, it is supposed to be found within the contents of the city church. Because I'm going to make you see, you being part of what we call the city church development does not exclude you from having your local assembly. Because the 12 tribes still retain their individual identities. That is what people don't know. So they think what we are talking about, maybe people will be thinking what we are talking about is another thing. It has nothing to do with another thing. It's God's mind that can bring peace to the region, that can bring peace to a nation. But ability to communicate this to the people is the issue. So God said, you can't run. Now, so you see the next thing. You see God, supposed to be here. God is here in the temple. And as soon as you move out, the next, the first person you are going to encounter is the Levite. Which has to do with the priest. Which has to do with the pastors. Do you understand that? Praise the living God. That was supposed to be the way it goes. It's like a movement, a ripple. You know? Assuming you have a dot here and then you go this and then you go this and then you go that. Okay, so God is at the center here and if you come out of this report, the first person you meet is supposed to be the priest before you come to the rest of the people. It's like talking about Manzai, you talk about Jerusalem, talk about the rest of the plain. The order of power and authority flow from this center which is like the ripple. Which is here now. Okay, so here we can say God. Okay? God at the center. Is that okay? So the next person that God or you encounter once you move out of the tabernacle, which has to do with central figure that unites the whole people, is the priest. And so you find that the priest was divided into uh, basically four. Uh, three, the, the family of the Levite was divided into all this. You have the uh, Geshonite, the Kohatite, the Mirrorite, and Moses and Aaron as the high priest. Now, it is also very important you understand the strategic positioning of Moses and Aaron, which has to do with the East. Hallelujah. Now, if you find the East, it really comes to show you one thing. The tabernacle, as it built in the wilderness, this is supposed to be the entrance to it. Is that alright? This entrance was morally reserved actually for the priest, but basically it is reserved in their understanding. If you go to look at the book of Ezekiel, you find that the understanding is God comes through this gate. And that is why I talk about the rising of the sun from the east. So, if you really want to look at the temple, the way God looks at the world, God looks at the world from the west. And look to the east. Is that okay? Are you there? Because this is where he stays. So you are approaching God in terms of worship. What are you supposed to be doing? Maybe you're moving in here. Alright? So if you are moving in here to go worship God, 
just like John was, then he had a voice. And when he turned, when he looked, the next thing he could see was the candlesticks. <laughs> Are you getting that? Are you following the picture? All right. So I want you to catch that. Very interesting. Now, so we find that the Levites, they performed the priestly duties and therefore were mediators between God and the people. This is a major reason why they are the first person you encounter when you move out of the tabernacle. Is that all right? Praise the living God. So as soon as you come out, you're going to see the four family. And you must understand one of the things that brought uh, this tribe close to God the way it is. From when um, Moses came down from the mountain, the people were worshipping the golden calf. Remember the story? Okay? And then it was only the Levite that were on the Lord's side. This was actually brought them finally into the position that they are because they stood for God. Hallelujah. Okay. So, I want you to know that, which is very important. And again, don't forget the position of the people. The Kohatites are all to the south. Okay? Kohatites to the south. The Gershonite to the west. Merorite to the north. And then Aaron, Moses the high priest, to the, to the east. Now you can find that in Numbers 3. You can look at Numbers 3, 17 to 20. And then you get the, the basic names there. As they were divided. Numbers uh, 3, 17 to 20. We may not be able to read all of that. But if you read that, it gives you the positioning. It gives you the four tribes that I'm talking about now. Which is Aaron and Moses. Uh, Geshenite, the Kohatite, and then uh, which people again? The Merarites. Okay. These are the people that made up the Levitical order, as the case may be. Okay. So, but don't forget what we said in Numbers chapter 1, verse 3 to 3. Though we're going to be expressing more about that. Now, as soon as you leave that, what's the next thing you're going to see? You begin to see the tribes. Okay? The tribes. And uh, if you look at this thing, you also finally find out it's like you're having a cross. Is that all right? The temple is at the center. So if you draw the cross the way this, you find the same principle there. All right. So now we have the, the 12 tribes. Once you finish with the first tent or the four tents of these four uh, tribes, the next tent you're going to be seeing is the tent of the 12 tribes. Right? Now, they have some distance from the temple. They are not as close to the temple as the Levites. Are you getting that? Okay. I want you to know that because it's very important. So, uh, in Numbers chapter 2, if you want to start reading from verse 2, uh, you'll be able to see the Bible made us understand that the Levite, was, I mean the 12 tribes were supposed to pinch their terms far off from the tabernacle. You know? It was having some distance from the tabernacle. Uh, not as close as the Levite. Now there are some things I will need to say about this. So, you find uh, I'm going to explain this. You know they are you have this, and then you go there, okay? Uh, it's mixed up now. 
you have this there right then um, you're gonna have this here oh I got it wrong but we're just following the way it is now you can pick it huh? all right so you have Simon you have Reuben you have God is that okay to this house okay then here you have Dan you have Asher am I right yep you have Asher you have this you have that to this place it's the way it is squeezed now or it's more explained is that all right are you getting this all right so to the north you have Naphtali you have Dan and you have who Asher all right then to the west you have Manasseh Ephraim and Benjamin then to the south you have God Reuben and Simon then to the east you have Issachar Judah and Zebulon did you get that Praise the Lord. So if you read Numbers chapter 2, then that is exactly what you're going to see. In the book of Numbers chapter 2, that's the positioning. So I'm going to be explaining some things in relation to that. Now, each of these tribes, in the first place, uh, they were not, uh, uh, the, the camping was not done according to the bad order of the children of Israel. For instance, all right? You know, the children of Israel, the elders were supposed to be Reuben. Is that okay? Okay, but, so, but this campaign didn't follow that order. You need to understand it. Very important. The children of Israel were supposed to be uh, in order of seniority. It was Reuben, Simon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulon, uh, what is this? Behal, and so on and so forth. Dan, Naphtali, whatever the case may be. So, but that is not the order. With which this campaign is done. Is that okay? All right. Now, uh, each of these tribes had a specific area of the camp to live in. Just like I said. So you find that anytime the temple is moved and tent is pitched and they want to pitch their tent, they know which area to pitch their tent. That will also tell you if you truly want to work with God, you must know your area. You don't just, you see, sometimes people just relocate or do whatever thing they want to do. You don't just relocate. If you really want to think about having contact with God in terms of understanding what the city church is all about, you can't just pinch your tent wherever you want to pinch your tent. There are positioning, there are locations that God has ordained for each and every one of us. Amen? Okay. And uh, we find that when their fathers had moved out of Egypt, okay, approximately about 400 years earlier, they had done so as a family. You see, initially they came in as a family, each headed by one of the sons of Jacob, who was renamed Israel by God. But while they were slaves in Egypt, they preserved their family identity, as the case may be. Amen. But over the years, the families of the 12 sons developed into tribal families or what you call tribe. Now, watch this. If you look at Joshua, let me give you an example. If you look at Joshua chapter 7 to explain what I'm trying to say. In Egypt, they retained their identity as tribal identity. But when they came out of Egypt and they began to walk through the wilderness, 
It's time come when the tribe begin to break down into all that segment. So, in Joshua chapter 4, what you find is this. In the morning, um, chapter 7, verse 14, Joshua 7, 14. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes. And it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to families. And the family which the Lord takes shall come by households. And the household which the Lord takes shall come by man by man. You see the way it begins to come down. Praise the living God. So it's interesting we see how God works. There is this kind of flow so that you find out. I can use this to teach about the issue of having chapters. It's one family, but breaking down into several other segments. Praise the living God. Are you getting this? All right. So, like I said, as they begin to come, this former united, how do I put it? Not necessarily united, but that singular tribe, as they begin to move, begin to break down. There was a kind of an expansion. There was a kind of breaking down of the structure. Now, I have to say something here. I'm still going to mention it. The only factor that can break the mindset of spiritual bondage of slavery is the city church. Amen? While they were in bondage, there was an identity that they carried. There was no expression that can flow into the various streams of that which is supposed to be a family structure. Alright? Praise the living God. So, if you want to talk about breaking spiritual bondage in an environment, in a locality, because you see, it is as they come out and the city church is put in place, which is the temple, all these expressions begin to come into being. Praise the living God. Okay. So, their position, like I said, the tribe tribe camp in a group of three. They only position at certain distances around the tabernacle. Four of the tribes, Judah, Reuben, Ephraim, and Dan, were seen as tribal leaders. And it's important to notice this. Judah, Okay? And then you have who? Reuben. And then you have who? Ephraim. And then you have Dan. These four tribes, more or less, as the case may be, were seen as the tribal leaders. By implication, Ephraim was more or less in charge of these three communities there. Is that okay? Are you getting that? And then Reuben, more or less, God, and then Simon. And then you get to Dan, Naphtali, and uh, what is that? Okay. Asher. And then Judah, you have Zebulon and uh, Issachar. And that also tells you something that even in terms of the content of the TD church, there are people that God can raise to head 
And see, this heading has to do with leadership. Is that all right? And you can see how it works. When God speaks, it's going to be speaking to Aaron and Moses. And it's going to get connected to the other three tribes of the Levites. And they are going to walk, communicating the same. But you find that the first thing that's going to happen is they communicate more or less to the leaders of the various tribes. You get that? They speak to the leaders of the various tribes. So there is a kind of chain of command, if I may use the word. But the revelation comes from God and moves to the priests, from the priests to the leaders of the various tribes. One thing you must understand is when the people... Now, let me not jump this. I'm going to get down to that. So let's just move on a little bit. Each has its own standard or banner. There is something again I need to make you see, which is not here, but uh, maybe some other time. They have a standard or banner. You know the word? Uh, I don't know if I have it here precisely. Which one? See, Manasseh, Ephraim, and Benjamin, one tribe. Okay? So, with time. So, you get that, maybe you check through the, this thing. Ephraim, Manasseh, one tribe. God, Reuben, and Simon, another tribe. Leadership. Those are the four people that runs through the other one. They were seen as leaders in those particular tribes. Amen? All right. Okay, now, let's move down to something. Praise the Lord. Okay. A little bit now, let's get down to, uh, I'm trying to say here that each of these tribes, they had uh, banners, what you call standard. Is that okay? That is, they had flags which they were carrying. And these flags had colors. I won't be able to deal with all of that right now, but you need to know that. But to me, it signifies something. It identified various are streams of giftings within each of the local expressions of the corporate body. Each banner that they carry. Is that okay? The local expression within the city church has a banner. The particular grace for a particular house. Do you understand that? Good. So, that is why it is also important that you truly identify the banner that you carry within the overall expression of the city church. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, one of the reasons you need to understand that Judah seems to be heard here was prophetic of what Israel said in Genesis 49 verse number 10. When he said the scepter shall not depart from Judah, not Reuben. That's what really brought Judah into this place. Is that okay? All right. Praise the Lord. Okay. So, we find all of that. Oh, fine, 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 fine. So, let me just go down now. Maybe you get a chart and then we see something again. Now, this side is also very crucial, what I'm about to do with. In the Jewish tradition, for instance... It was believed that the banners of the tribe were as follows. That is the camping of the way, like we said before. Judah, which has to do with the north, was symbolized with a lion. 
Judah to the east was lion that was on flag. Lion. And the background was kind of gold with a scarlet background. Okay? Ephraim's flag carried the ox. Reuben, which is to the south, man on a gold background was on the flag. Then the north, which is Dan, had eagle on their banner. The four faces. You can find the book of Ezekiel. So you find that, as we are going to progress, you find that. The four faces you find in the book of Ezekiel, the book of Revelation speaks of the tabernacle campaign. The fullness of the church represented in the wilderness. And that is why you call the beast in the book of Revelation. It's not animals. Huh? <laughs> you are catching something now. Praise the Lord. I want you to know that. So you have the lion, the ox, the man, and the eagle. All represented by the various flags that these people were carrying in the wilderness. Praise the Lord. So unfortunately, we don't have the thing, otherwise you see it sharp and clear. So it's a preacher of the present order of Christ and his people. What we're dealing with is simply a picture of the present order of Christ and his people. Amen? God comes with his people. You need to know that. You find that in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 16, he talks about, you're going to my temple, I will dwell in them and move with them. Is that alright? Praise the living God. Very important you understand that. His plans was always that he would dwell in us and be our God and with us. And the only thing that keeps him with and around us is when his temple is what? Erected. Amen? So, on the individual level, I will make you see how these four flags can manifest in your life. I may not be able to go to that today, but you can express both ways because all of these things are found in Christ. Is that all right? Because primarily, your spirit is the temple where God resides. You are the temple of God. Yeah, your, your, your spirit is the, the most holy place, and then your soul is the holy place, and then you have your outer God. So, the, the temple itself is represented by you as an individual. But we're dealing more now with a corporate temple. Most often when the Bible says, ye are the temple of God, when we were speaking in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 6, know ye not your temple. He wasn't talking to an individual. He was talking to the church in Corinth. The whole church in Corinth was all they were referring to. Not just an individual. He wasn't picking out a harlot and talking to the harlot. He was speaking to the whole church. Know ye not that you are the temple of God. It was the whole church he was addressing. Most times, God addresses the entire church and not just individuals. Because remember, he said, I will build my church. So he wasn't just talking about building an individual. He's talking about building a corporate body. And once a corporate body is in place, of course, his temple is also in place. Then he will definitely dwell and manifest himself through such a temple in that region. We together. Okay, when he dwells amongst us, he leads us, he cares for us, and he speaks to us with the soft voice of that of a husband and a wife. 
we desperately love. You need to understand it. The flags of each tribe point to the real banner of God, Jesus Christ. The four faces and the four colors speak of him. He is our standard. The Lord is called Jehovah Nisi. What's the meaning of blood? The Lord, our banner. That's the meaning of the word Jehovah Nisi. So the four banners we are talking about are found in who? In Christ. Praise the Lord. Now, as the Levi stood between man and God, Jesus Christ also stands between man and the holy rod of God to be a mediator and to meet vengeance with mercy. The Christian will never see the anger side of God. Why? Because of Christ. He is our father and our husband and our friend and then the mediator is there because reconciliation have done what? Have taken place. Is that okay? There's a big difference between the wrath of God and the chastening of the Lord. You chasten your child. But that is different from the wrath in terms of the wrath of God. And we we'll describe that from the Bible. Christians cannot. You can't face the judgment that the world is facing because Jesus died for you. It's very erroneous to teach and to think that what the world suffer is what Christians are supposed to suffer. That's not true. Amen? Because Jesus took your judgment upon himself. Praise the living God. Okay. Let's look at something in the book of, I just want to read that. John 17, 22, 23. Christ being our banner, Christ being the one who united us unto the Lord, Christ making us one. And the glory which he shall give me, Jesus speaking, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, and that they be made perfect in one, and that the whole world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Oneness. Is that okay? All right. So, you can also take a time to read John 6, verse 28 to 29. Where they ask, what shall we do to do the works of God? You simply say, you believe on the Son, or you believe on him whom he have sent. Is that okay? Yeah. Then his priestly ministry, you can hear Hebrews chapter 7, and look at 20, 22 to 25. Okay. Now, I'm going to be looking very closely now. To what we're driving at, which is the four faces. So the tribe of Israel, like I said before, camped around the tabernacle in the wilderness under six banners, which I mentioned before, whose colors correspond to the colors of the tribal stones of the high priest in the breastplate. If you take time to study the priesthood, and you see the high priest going to the most holy place, the stones that were on the chest or so of the high priest are made up of those four colors. Meaning also that when the high priest moves into the most holy place, he's taking the whole nation before God. Are you getting this? 
So when you go back home, as ministers, take time to study some of these things, get the picture of the priesthood, and look at the chest and see the colors that you find there. Amen. So they come around the tabernacle with these six colors, which portray the symbol of their camping. Like I said before, the camp of Judah, whose symbol was the lion, was located in the east of the tabernacle. And it consisted of the clans of Judah. And then, I don't know if I have to read that for you, uh, but I think, let me read something before we come back here. Um, where am I going to take it from? Okay, go with me. We may touch it a little bit again, but go with me, then I'll come back. Let's get down to the book of Revelation 21. Revelation 21. Talking about the temple, talking about the city. Revelation 21. Let me read from verse 19. And the foundation of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third a chalcedony, the fourth an emerald. The fifth, Sardonyx. The sixth, Sardius. The seventh, Chrysolite. The eighth, Beryl. The ninth, Etopus. The tenth, Echrysoparus. The eleventh, Ejancet. The twelfth, what? Anamethyst. I want you to know this. How many stones did you find here? Twelve stones. How many tribes did you find there? Twelve tribes. How many apostles did you find? Twelve apostles. And each of these two represent one of those tribes. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's go back again. I'm going to, I'm going to come back here. But let's go back. Uh, to what I was trying to say. Just trying to give you a foundation here. So that you can see what I'm saying. In relation to the colors. So I start all over by saying. The camp of Judah. Whose symbol was the lion. Was located east of the tabernacle. It considered of the, of the clans of Judah. Judah was Sardius. Sardius stone. Issachar, Topaz. Zebulon, Kabunku. Now, their banner carried a, a, a kind of, not just the logo. The logo there is the lion. But it carried a statement. What is the statement? Arise, O Lord, and let the enemies be scattered, and the adversary be driven away before thee. That's what's written on their banner. So anytime they come, you see that flag flying, and you see these words up in the sky. Arise, O Lord. And this also you find why Judah was supposed to lead the war. Hmm? Arise, O Lord, let the enemy be scattered, and the adversary be what? Driven away from before thee. That's what written on their banners with the lion. Praise the Lord. Then the camp of Reuben, camp of Reuben, was they having a symbol of an ox. Um, was located to the south. You, you find that there. It consisted of the clans of Reuben, Amrod, Simon, Sapphire, and God, Adamant. Among those ones we just read. The stones. What is written on the banner? Hear Israel, 
the Lord our God is one God. I told us before that this color represents a voice for each of the tribes. Did you get that? Now, I have already said this and I will say it again. Some of you, and sometimes when you win souls to your church, and some wants to leave, sometimes you try to pressure them to stay. There is nothing wrong because you cannot easily determine. There is nothing wrong with that. But the point is, there are some people that cannot really function in your ministry. They don't have that genetic type to function in your ministry. See, you can't think of somebody, of a Levite, for instance, coming to dwell in the, the Eastern tribe in Judah. No. The type of warfare is directly connected to the temple. These people are connected to the open field. Do you understand that? So if you find a Levite coming to stay with these people, he might not properly be able to function if they are going to war. Because he doesn't have it. The inbuilt of boldness to do the warfare is not in them. So there are specific graces that each local assembly carries. And there are some people that cannot function under a local assembly. They can't be able to bring forth the grace in them if they worship with you. We need to understand that. Praise the living God. It's the Lord that asks to the church. And the Lord knows the one that carries your gene. <laughs> Glory to God. He will send them to you. Can I hear an amen to that? It will only take time. He will send them to you. And when they come, it won't take time. The real life in them will show forth. You won't sweat praying and nothing is happening. Merely saying, may you be blessed. It's enough for such people to be released. What they've been struggling for for years. We just in a twinkle of an eye begin to blow on Why? Because they have really found their home. We need to understand this. Okay. So we hear, uh, this is these guys. Then we have the camp of Ephraim, eh? whose symbol was a young man, was located to the west. It consists of the clan of Ephraim. There's a legal there. The Manasseh, I get, and Benjamin, Amethyst. On their banner was written, the cloud of the Lord was over them in the going forward of the host. The cloud of the Lord was over them. That's what's written on the banner. Amen? Praise the Lord. Then we have the camp of Dan, whose symbol was that the basilic serpent, as the case may be, was located to the north. It consists of the clans of Dan, Crystallite, Asher, Beryl, and Naphtali, Jasper. <laughs> All those stones you find in the book of Revelation. On your banner was written, and in his compartment shall he say, Return, O Lord, and dwell in the glory in the midst of the myriads of Israel. That's what's written on the banner. Praise the living God. Amen? So now, having looked at that, we now see the 12 foundation. Now, there is something I'm going to make you see now, so that your understanding about the book of Revelation will begin to come out as well. It's not a mystery book. In fact, it's a book that people ought to read and understand. And it's not talking about Antichrist. He's talking about Christ and his people. You don't read the book of Revelation and find an Antichrist. No, no, no. 
Because the opening of the book says is a prophecy about Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ. The apocalypse of Jesus Christ. The unveiling of Jesus Christ. You don't unveil the book and see diamond in it. Tigers and crocodiles and antichrist in the Middle East. No. The whole book. That's why it's a prophecy about Jesus. And the Bible says in, in chapter 19 and the verse number 10 or so. The testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. And then when you go down, the Bible now says, the angel, after he explained to John, John wanted to worship. He said, don't worship me. I must be servant like you. And I will believe in this prophecy. Did you get that? And then the Bible now said, they that read, they are going to be what? Blessed. You don't read about any Christ and be blessed. Huh? You read about Christ and be what? And be blessed. That is why the book of Revelation ought to bless the one that reads and understands. So now get back again to Revelation chapter 21. So the 12 foundation of the church is what I'm about to show you now. Now the stones, like I said before, correspond to the 12 foundation stones with which the temple was, was laid between the 12 apostles of the Lord with which the foundation of the church is also laid, like I'm trying to say. Revelation 19, 21, for instance. 19 now. And the foundation of the wall of the city were garnished, like I said before, with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third uh, Chalcedony, the fourth an amaranth, and the fifth uh, Sardinix, the sixth Sardius, the seventh Crystallite, the eighth Beryl, the ninth Atopos, the tenth Chrysopastus, the eleventh Jansen, the twelfth the Amethyst. Amen? Verse 21. And the twelve gates were the twelve peers. Every several peers were of one peer, gate was seven, one peer, and the street of the city was of pure gold as it was transparent glass. Now, I don't want to speak on this, but you need to know something about uh, what Solomon did when he had uh, a sea of glass, what he called a sea of glass. Amen? We don't need to go there for time's sake. Now, I saw no temple therein, watch this, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are what? The temple of it. What we see here is God is becoming an expression of the rest of the people. Men are coming to the place where they become the expression of God. When he says, I saw no, no temple therein, it's not the word. It's, not, it's, it's trying to describe to us the glory of the Lord that radiates through his body. Could you decide in temple? Is that okay? That is to say, the individual identity have disappeared. Hallelujah. Because you find that this, this temple was laid with this precious stone which represent the 12 tribes and the 12 apostles, not an individual. Do you understand what I'm talking about? So it's a corporate body laid with the 12 apostles. So the individual temple actually diminishes into the one temple erected with these foundation stones. In other words, your true identity should be discovered within the city church. Are you getting this? I know it's a little bit 
It may be deep, but you understand. Praise the Lord. A son of temple, therefore, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb by the temple of it. Amen. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. What is he saying? The natural order or natural wisdom can't govern the body of Christ. Because the sun and the moon were meant to guide the day and the night. Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, said when he created the sun and the moon, the sun to rule the day, the moon to rule the night. And remember, the Bible also says, um, it talks about those who dwell in the sacred place of the Most High. It talks about those who are under the shadow of the Almighty. And then it talks about a people whereby the sun and the moon cannot smite thee in the day or in the night. In the book of Sam. Is that okay? What does that mean? If you must avoid the sun and the moon smiting you, that means you must move away from this place into this place. Because you see, this place is covered in the tabernacle. But this place is not covered. So there is a Christianity that allows the sun and the moon to affect such practitioners. But your grace, I mean, it is expected that you move from this outer court to the holy place, from the whole holy place what? The most holy place. When you get to the most holy place, you are not dwelling in the secret place of the most high. At that level, the sun and the moon cannot smite thee. Now, that also means the fact that you carry the Bible or even speak in tongue doesn't mean you have moved out of the outer courts. Praise the living God. Anytime God is talking about measuring the temple, let me tell you something. He doesn't measure this place. Have you noticed that in your Bible? Book of Revelation, the Hebrew, I think chapter 9 is that he doesn't mention the outer court. So whoever is in the outer court, as far as God is concerned, is not protected. That means you must move in your spiritual journey from the outer court to the holy place, from the holy place to the most holy place. Then you can get a covering of the Lord. Then the last banner talks about a cloud over the people who begin to manifest in your life. Praise the living God. All right. Now verse number 24. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it and the kings of the earth will bring their glory and honor into it. Amen. All right. So now if you go back to verse 10 of the same chapter, back to verse 10, you see also the 12 gates. And the Bible here says, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the, that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and a light was like unto war. It's too most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear and crystal, and had the wall great and high, and at twelve gates, and at the gate twelve angels, and names written therein, which are the names of what? The twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east, on the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the north three gates, on the west three gates. That is from the gates here. Hallelujah. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations. In them, the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. So understand the difference between the gates and 
the foundations. Praise the living God. What does a gate do? Or what is the purpose of a gate? It leads you. Is that okay? It opens the door. Now, that will tell you, if you truly want to enter into the new Jerusalem we're talking about, you have to have an understanding of the meanings of these 12 gates. Each of the gates represents an experience that you must pass through to enter into the temple. It's a gate. Hallelujah. Are you there with me? Praise the living God. So, if you take this back to that, you're going to find Manasseh, Ephraim, whatever. You need to find out exactly what it stands for. What it represents. Each of those gates. These three gates. What do they represent? What their spiritual meaning? Is that okay? Now, you have to experience that to be able to come into the temple of the Lord where the moon and the light are no longer what you need to exist with. Praise the Lord. Okay, that takes us a little bit down. Almost done. So now, you can find this. What I'm dealing with here now is what you find in the book of Ezekiel. Let, let me recall something now. Uh, we may not be able to read this. I don't know if we can look at it. But quickly turn with me into the book of Revelation 4. And let's look at, uh, I don't know, Revelation 4, maybe 1 to 8. It's a little bit long as well. Praise the Lord. Revelation 4. Are you there? Okay. After this, I'm looking at verse 1. After this thing, I look and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was at it where of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Hereafter is not a long time. It simply means after now. Is that okay? Not hereafter like tomorrow. Just simply me after now. Verse 2. And immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sudden stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne in the light like an ultra emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty elders, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their head crowns of gold. And I want you to know verse 4. And out of the throne proceed lightnings and thunderings, voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Amen? And before the throne there was a sea of glass, like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne, round about the throne, were four beasts full of eyes, before and behind. And the false bee was like what? A lion. What tribe is that? <laughs> and the second beast was like what? A calf. What tribe is that? Are you there with me? And the third beast was what had what? The face of a man. And the first beast was like what? A flying eagle. Everything you find here is what John saw. So when you talk about a throne, what do you really mean? It's like this is supposed to be the throne and the beast around the throne. There's something I'm going to show you. Praise the Lord. 
And the fourth bee had each of them six wings about them, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 as the case may be. So basically, this had nothing to do with animals. Is that okay? Talking about the four faces of Christ, which you also can manifest. Is that all right? Amen. Now you can go and look at the book of Ezekiel, chapter 1, and you're going to see the chariot, and you're going to see the beast, the wheel that was within the wheel. Is that okay? Everything is talking about the church that nothing to do with some mystical figure somewhere. Nothing to do with that. Praise the living God. Okay. Now, incidentally, we have 12 thrones as we have read here. Right? What is supposed to be the 12 thrones? See, Jesus said the same thing to Peter when he said, in the time of the regeneration, you shall sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So each tribe has a throne, which is the leadership. Are you getting what I'm saying here? That is why it is 12. And when you make it 24, it's more or less like talking about the kingdom of God in fullness in terms of expression. 12. 12. Is that okay? 12 is the number of the kingdom. Is that okay? Hey, are we together? All right. Now, I'll show you something there. Uh, hey, I may not be able to read it. But if you look at 1 Chronicles 24, so they can understand the 12 from 24 elders and then talking about the 12 throne at 24 elders. If you look at 1 Chronicles 24, from verse 1 to 18, you are going to find that the Levitical priesthood division was 24 in terms of ministering in the temple. First Chronicles 24, 1 to 18. Is that okay? The order of the Levitical's order to minister in the temple was 24 orders or 24 courses. That's why I'm talking about 24 elders before the throne. Is that okay? Now, you know, John the Baptist was born when it was in the course of Abia. Abia is not Abia in the east. Abia is the course of Abiata of the high priest. It was in the course. We're talking about course. It was his duty time. Is that okay? So, these causes that the Levitical order had, they were 24 in order. That is why it is 24 thrones. Are you there with me? Some of you may be hearing this thing for the very first time, but don't let it be a problem. So, it appears the camp of the whole nation of Israel speaks of a time in which all the believers will be, put, will be part of a royal priesthood. Just like we can always read from um, uh, 1 Peter 2, verse number 9. Yeah, royal priesthood. You remember that? Okay. So, that's exactly what we're seeing. Everybody's coming to the place where we have to be able to minister before the temple of the Lord as a corporate body. Is that Okay. When you say a royal priesthood, it's not speaking to one man, it's speaking to a whole nation. Alright? You find that in Exodus 19. Say, you shall be priest unto me. King and prince unto me. Exodus 19. 
when he brought them out of Israel. Praise the living God. I mean, out of Egypt. Okay. So, God was enthroned in a camp of the children of Israel, like I said before. And that is very close to what we find in the book of Ezekiel, chapter, chapter 1. If you look at 4 to 6, and then 10 to 11. Let me just read that. I think it would be interesting to read that. Ezekiel chapter 1. Let me go to 4 to 6 and then 6 to 11. Uh, don't know if I get up to that. But let me just read this. Messed up up to verse number 6 or so. If you look at it and say, the chariot. I'm talking about the chariot seen by Ezekiel. It's saw a chariot. The Bible says, Then I looked and behold, a wild wind was coming out of the north. A great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself and brightness all about it, around it, and radiating out of its midst like the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. Also from within it came the likeness of what? Four living creatures. And this was the appearance. They had the likeness of what? A man. Each one of them had four faces, and each one of them had four wings. As for the likeness of their faces, each had the four faces of a man, each of the four had the four faces of a lion on the right side, each of the four had the four faces of an ox on the left side, and each of them had the four faces of what? an eagle. The same thing. Hallelujah. So you read that from verse 4 down to 11, you find out we're talking about the same thing. Praise the living God. Alright, so let me quickly just move on now and see if I can finish up. So the faces of the living creatures correspond to the four camps of Israel, like we have explained before. This four camp of Israel. The, the, the face of the man corresponds to Ephraim, the lion to Judah, the ox to Reuben, and the eagle to Dan. Here again, the living creatures seems to be representing the clans of Israel as they are camped around the tabernacle in the wilderness. The lion, like a man, like I said, is Ephraim and so on and so forth. Okay, now, one thing is very crucial here. If you take time to study all of these, like, uh, let me just say this. Dan for his son. Uh, became the eagle instead of the original serpent like you told before. Because look at Genesis chapter 14 verse 17. There is a word there that will make you see that. At the end of time, in terms of the fulfillment of the prophecy of Jacob to his children. Talking about the eagles that will gather instead of the serpents. Amen? Praise the living God. You can check Luke 17 and then all of that. No need for all of that. It's going to take you a little bit far away. Now, let me say something here about the, the, the dwelling of his presence like we can find in relation to the Holy Spirit who dwells in the heart of men. So that you can be able to see precisely how that within our flesh nation is found all of this thing that we are talking about. Amen? You can express all of these four faces of these living creatures. In fact, there is a redeeming walk. Now, those of you who have done theological studies, you know that the four gospels represent these four living creatures. How many of you know that? Matthew, John, Luke, and Mark. Huh? Right. If you go to theological studies, that's what they will tell you. And they represent the various faces of Jesus Christ in terms of expression. And all of them 
is supposed to be found within you. Like I said in the very beginning. God already said in his word, man is made in his image. That means we have God's image within us. Praise the living God. Alright. So that is where you begin from. Mankind was made in the image of God. And then we have to be conformed to it even though there was a fall, there is a restoration. Amen? Praise the living God. Okay. I think, let me just take a little bit of this and then uh, we're going to stop. Let me give you seven things which are the benefits of the city church. And I would like to close from here. If I have been able to communicate slowly to this time to your understanding so that you can see the importance of the city church. Benefit of the city church or the importance of the city church. Whichever we want to put it. It's okay. Number one. Numbers chapter 2 verse 17. It says, then the tabernacle of the congregation shall set forth, set forth with the camp of the Levites in the midst of the camp as they encamp. So shall they set forward every man in his place by their standards. Understand that? Very important. It must be put in place. And then everybody will have his position. It is in relation to the city church that you can truly determine your location within the body. Praise the Lord. I'm going to make you see that. Watch this. In Acts chapter 13, when Paul and Barnabas were sent forth, a word came from what I would call the presbytery. Is that okay? Yeah. Now, the place of Paul was properly located, confirmed within the city church. Leadership. And they sent them forth. Now, they can really succeed because there was a backing. Their place was not only identified, but the church also backed them by sending them forth with the word. It's like saying, whatever you bind on earth is bound, whatever you lose on earth is losing heaven. Are you there with me? So when Paul and Barnabas was properly identified, the church corporately sent them forth. There were not two churches, there were not three churches. There was a kind of presbytery that was in charge, that was able to identify the gifting that was in these people. Now, if you read Acts 30, I'm going to find out all, if me, if me, all colors you will find there. The blacks, the white, the green, whatever color. Just read it. You find that all shades of person were represented in that body. People like Mark and all of them, they were all there. Is that okay? Hallelujah. Okay. Now, go to Numbers chapter 1, verse 53. Numbers 1.53 But the Levites shall pitch round about the tabernacle of testimony that there be no wrath upon the congregation of the children of Israel and the Levites shall keep the charge of the tabernacle of testimony 
the priesthood, like I said before, is very crucial that you know the mind of God. To keep the charge of the testimony, testimony has to do with the laws and the rules of God. God is expecting the priesthood to be able to properly know his mind and identify with his mind. I'll say more about that. And it is through the priesthood that the rest of the body can know what God has in mind. Because they have to be in charge of the testimony. Is that okay? Now, I, I, I don't know. Can we truly say the priesthood today in this new order, I mean the order that we are, we truly have the testimony of God. Do we really know what God has in mind? Do we know what he wants? Do we know exactly what God is doing now? Do we? Hallelujah. Now the Bible says, once they are in place and they pitch the tent, the wrath of God will not be upon the people, which is very significant. Meaning, if the body really begins to come together, their presence will wait off God's anger over a region. I said that before in one of the studies or sections. Remember that? That one of the typical examples of this kind of thing I'm talking about was supposed to be something like Khan. That was supposed to be precisely the city church. Okay. Now, if it is not politically done, if it is spiritually done, we can wait off a lot of the anger of God from this nation. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, take another one. Numbers chapter 11 verse 16. That's number three significance of the city church. Numbers 11 verse 16. And the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people, and officers over them, and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation, that they may stand there with me. Verse 17. And I will come down and talk with thee there, and I will take off your spirit which is upon thee, and will put it upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, that thou bear it not thyself. What does the city church do? It provides a platform for godly wisdom for the administration of his church. Praise the Lord. The city church is a place where godly wisdom for the administration of his body is disseminated. There are so many things that some of us do not know that in our union with the concept of the city church and it begins to be erected within the region, God will begin to unveil his mind. And watch this. God says, I am doing this so that the burden of rulership will not rest only on you. So apart from the wisdom that is coming down, you find again that the city church provides a platform where administratively and then doing the work of ministry will be done with ease. Praise the Lord. Number four. Act chapter 15. 
Amen. I'm looking at verse 5. S15 verse 5. You know this story very well. It has to do with when the people came and said, hey, the Gentiles are coming. What are we going to tell them to do? And things like that. Verse 5 says, But raised up a certain of the sect of the Pharisees who believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them, that is the Gentiles, and to command them to keep the law of Moses and the apostles. And that came together for to consider this matter. Now you know the rest of the story. This is where the people finally came in and said, we cannot only just tell them to stop that. I mean, we're not going to tell them to do one or two things. Don't eat blood and not the issue of circumcision. Is that okay? And then we remember that I think Apostle James also came up and began to read from the book of Amos, or reason of the tabernacle of David. Is that okay? Praise the living God. Right. So, it is basically a place where, if I may use the word, the mind of God is revealed. See, the mind of God for his body is revealed through the city church. Amen? So when he talks about reason of the tabernacle of David, what is really making us to understand that the inspiration and the clear voice of the Lord over his church is made manifest through the city church. Because now there was trouble, there was confusion. But the whole thing was settled when they all were together. The Lord was able to minister. He said, look, 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 this has to do. That's why I've been saying it. I even said it two, three years ago in South Africa. Sometimes people talk about men who introduce music to the church and say this is part of reason of the tabernacle of David. That is not accurate. Not at all. Scripture made it clear. The tabernacle of David, meaning the Jews and the Gentiles, are becoming priests before God. All right? You're functioning as kings and priests. That's what tabernacle of David really means. Because David had the tabernacle. The ark was behind the house of David. And David was a king who does not qualify to minister before the ark. But yet he was ministering before the ark. So he was a king and priest. So when he says this is how to do with the reason of the tabernacle of David. It means he's qualifying you and I to be able to minister before the Lord. Now this understanding, this inspiration can only come as it were, through the city church. Because the mind of God will not be revealed to the people so that they can communicate it to the rest of the body. Are you following what I'm talking about? Hallelujah. The next thing is, it brings strengthening out, strengthening out doctrinal issues in relation to the present truth. It's strengthening out doctrinal issues in relation to the present truth. It is only within the confines of the city church. You see, you can be in your own local assembly and you think you know everything. But when the city church comes together, when God begins to speak through people, you'll be able to redefine some of the things you believe. That is only done through the city church. Is that all right? That is the place where you compare scripture with scripture. Men be able to, you be able to see, you have opportunity to ask questions. And then to cross check once again. Because it's a forum where God can download from heaven for his body. Because when pastors come together, God knows he was going to use them to reach the rest of the people. So his mind is revealed to them. 
Hallelujah. And then the last one I said before is the only factor that can break the mindset of spiritual bondage of slavery. There is a concept of the city church. Because you find that the city church was not in place when the children of Israel were in Egypt. Okay? The temple only got erected when they left Egypt. They could minister before God in the wilderness. While they were still a tribe in Egypt, they were in bondage. Their mentality was still in bondage. So tribal, localized mentality type of thing in church setting can breed bondages until they identify with the corporate body. Do you understand what I'm saying? While they were in Egypt, they were maintaining their tribes, but they were in bondage. They were in slavery. But when they came out and the temple was erected, and they begin to camp around the temple. God's mind begin to come. Freedom was given to them. Expression came into being. Now they can worship God freely. The city church is the thing that can help to break spiritual bondages of slavery. Mental slavery can only be eradicated within the city church. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I think I would like to stop. I don't know if you have any questions. Then we can take that for today. Thank you. Hallelujah.